0: We have actually been studying over the past several weeks during our 40 days of prayer, thinking about what the Bible says concerning the church, the distinguishing marks of a believing congregation, what a church is supposed to look like and what a church is supposed to sound like. We've considered a number of themes, the reading of scripture, prayer, missions, and other themes as well. Now it is possible, since we did publish the titles of and the dates of the sermons, and the those who would be preaching, that you were expecting Pastor Thomas today and his preaching on evangelism. Instead, uh, you get me, and we're going to be talking about giving. So there you go. Uh, the reason Pastor Thomas is not here, uh, most of you are aware that he had uh, some eye surgery and his recovery from that process is taking a, a fair amount longer than anticipated, and I'm sure he would uh, very much appreciate your, your prayers. As I said, our theme today is on giving, and I would like to read two passages. One, a very short story found in the Gospel of Mark chapter 12. And one verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. And I remind you that this is the word of the Lord. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Then 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich yet for your sakes... He became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. It is true that in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, those who belong to God, those who are the people of God, are required by God, commanded by him to be a generous and giving people. In the Old Testament, the people were required to give of the first fruits of their crop. They're even told, quote, honor God with your wealth. So crucial is this truth that in the very last book of the Old Testament, a refusal on the part of the people of God to give to the work of God is called the sin of theft. The verse actually reads that we rob God when we don't give unto the Lord what He requires. You move over into the New Testament, and the bulk of of Christian giving is found in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, where we're told that our giving is to be sacrificial, and it is also to be joyful, There is even a place in another book in the New Testament where we're told that we are to have ready an offering that we can give on the Lord's day. So through both Testaments, you have this this calling of God, this requirement of the Lord to be a people who are generous and sacrificial and joyous in our giving from our wealth. The story that I just read for you, uh, the story of the poor widow who gave two cents into the offering because that was all she had, is a very crucial story for understanding our heart attitude toward giving. If you look at these four verses, you are able to discern what Jesus sees, and after you see what Jesus saw, then you are able to hear what Jesus says, how he evaluates the situation. So far as what Jesus sees is concerned, he is sitting near the temple. He is looking into one of the larger uh, courts inside the temple. It can, it can host as many as nine or 10,000 people at any one time. And along the wall inside of the treasury, there are 13 receptacles for the purpose of giving, and they look like trumpets turned upside down so the people can cast in their coins. As Jesus is there looking, as he's watching, he sees rich people come, and it says they were giving large amounts of money. They were giving out of their wealth, out of their surplus. They're skimming off the top. They're giving what they don't necessarily need to sustain their existence in the world. At the same time, the Lord Jesus focuses especially on a poor widow. We're told she is enduring poverty, and the word means extreme poverty. But she does have two very flat coins, and they're worth just a few cents. And she goes over to one of these trumpet-like offering places, and she casts it in. And Jesus informs us that it is everything she had to live on. And that in reality, according to Jesus' mathematics, she gave more than all the rich added up. That's the story, what Jesus saw and what Jesus said. If we step back from that story for a moment, we can ask ourselves, well, what are we really supposed to get out of it in relationship to how we give and what we give? And I think that there are three clear principles, and they're really quite simple. And the first one is this. Jesus sees our giving. I want to read verses 41 and 42 of Mark 12 again. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put in and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins Worth only a few cents. Now this this poor widow had no clue whatsoever that Jesus was just a little distance away watching everything, seeing everything. There is no doubt that the reason this widow is in the temple that day is because she loves God. She is there to worship God and she is there to give to the Lord despite her extreme poverty. And we are simply told that Jesus is watching. And the reason that truth has value is because not only is it a physical reality in this narrative, it is a spiritual reality for all times. Never forget who Jesus is. He is the Lord God Almighty. He is the omniscient Lord, the one who knows all things. And being God the Son living in this world, His eyes always see everywhere and everything. And the reason we know this is because of Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and on the good. And Jesus is that Lord. He's the incarnate deity while living in this world, and He sees everything. The Lord Jesus Christ sees our generosity or our greed. He sees if we are robbing God or if we are joyfully giving to God. He sees our sacrificial giving and He sees our wasteful spending. He is the Lord who sees us. And those who are conscious of the abiding gaze of the holy are a people who want to worship Him and to please and honor Him. We want Jesus to look over our lives and say what we believe He will someday say concerning our living and giving, well done. We want to please the Lord. Uh, Kent Hughes puts it this way, what a staggering moment it is for a worshiping soul when one first awakens to this reality, Jesus really is watching. Or as the Old Testament presents Him, He is the Lord who sees me. Now this, I think, should raise for us a reasonable question. Am I living? Am I giving before the audience? Of one who is Christ. Now, the second truth we see here is that Jesus sees what's in our hearts as we give. Let's read verses 43 and 44. Our Lord said, Our Lord calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything she had. Jesus uses this word truly, and sometimes it reads in the various gospel narratives, truly, truly, or amen, amen. What I am saying to you is true, it means. Listen carefully. This is extremely important. Don't forget what I am about to tell you. And what he tells them is that this woman, with her two flat coins that you could barely pick up with your finger if they laid on a flat surface, in terms of value is greater than all the gifts of the rich. So that if you could stack up the coins that reach high into the air from the rich and her two coins, Jesus gives the approval to the woman. For they gave out of their surplus, skimming off the top, but she gave all she had to live on. That tells you a lot about what was in this woman's heart, now doesn't it? Do you remember this same Jesus on one occasion says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And that same Jesus says, you cannot worship both God and money. And so we have an insight into this woman's heart. She's willing to give all because she's willing to trust all. Her needs to God himself. Thinking along these lines, the president of Wheaton College, uh, Phil Rankin, offers this insight into her life. When this woman gave her two little coins, she was really putting her heart into the box, offering her whole self to God. She was living for God on the inside. This is what God wants from us, not just our money, but ourselves from the inside all the way out. Her heart, in her heart, the treasure of her heart was God Himself. And for that reason, she was a giver. Now, what is interesting about this little narrative of this woman giving out of her extreme poverty, is that it is not uncommon in the teaching of the New Testament. I'm I'm going to read for you a short paragraph from 2 Corinthians 8. It is about the giving of the Macedonian church. And we are told, we are described for us how these churches gave, these Macedonian churches. And we are told that they were enduring a severe trial, no doubt being persecuted. And we are told that the apostles tried to prevent them from giving because they were living in extreme poverty. And we're told that not only did they give, but they gave far beyond anybody, what anybody expected, and they gave generously and joyfully. This is an astonishing example and it looks and sounds very much like this poor widow. So we read in Second Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 5. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of a very severe trial their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, now listen, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Can't you just see? Paul is... They plead, oh please Paul, take the offering to those who are in need. And they gave generously. And here was their secret, verse 5. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. They come to the Lord... And they love him and they worship Him, and they choose to seek first His kingdom and righteousness to live for God. And that freed them up in the midst of their severe trial and their extreme poverty, to give generously and joyously. Have you ever seen that kind of giving before? I have. Twenty-three years ago, four alliance pastors, and I happened to be one of them. We're taken on a missionary tour by the Alliance, and we went to the Philippines, uh, into Hong Kong and even one day's journey into a missionary post in China itself. But when we were visiting in the Philippines in Manila, on one occasion, the missionaries came to us and says, "We're going to take you to a place today, and it will be difficult for you." And they were correct. For they took us outside of Manila to the city dump. To the trash heap. And the trash in this facility was not two or three feet high. It was a mountain of, 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 of trash covering numerous acres. And what was so painful was to see the children and the families that lived in this place. It was heart-wrenching. And they took us through a little valley in this mountain of trash, and there was an open room just about the size of this platform. They had dug into the trash, and they had created a church. A cross was on the outside where no door was. There were these little makeshift, rugged pews, and we walked in and we sat in them. We looked up, and the ceiling was trash. And you began to worry what if it collapses? To the left and to the right, and the back of the wall was trash, and the floor was all dirt. And their pastor stood up and he preached a sermon. We heard this wonderful gospel sermon through an interpreter. And then the worshipers who had gathered to worship with us began to sing hymns, and we recognized them and so we could sing with them in our own language. The last thing they did in worship, they took up an offering. They don't have jobs. They can do makeshift jobs once in a while. They put in what little coins... They had. And then they put in the food that they had been able to ferret out of the garbage heap. Or put food in that a church from the city had had brought. And I am not exaggerating when I tell you that is the most joyous worship service I think I have ever attended. They gave generously. Generously and counted it a privilege to do so. Us pastors who were there chose not to immediately give because we did not want to bring any attention or perhaps cause any embarrassment to our brothers and sisters who were there. But later on, we did as much as we possibly could. We wanted to honor their profound joy and generosity. That's what God calls us to do. God is not telling us in this story that we are to always live with a zero balance. He is not telling us that we are to live destitute lives, to give absolutely everything. In fact, Jesus tells us we're to pay our debtors, our bills. Jesus tells us the wisdom of investing in one of his parables and that we are to honor the Lord with our wealth. But the truth that's being taught here is this. We are not to give out of our surplus. We are not to give God a tip. We are to give sacrificially and joyously to the work of God. Which brings us to his third truth. Jesus sees how He can use our giving. There is a kind of teaching that exists these days, prosperity, health, wealth teaching, where if you give a certain amount to Jesus, you get back lots more. That is nowhere taught in the sacred book. What we are taught is that when we give generously, our Lord will meet our needs. And that he will use what is given to advance the cause of his glory and grace in this world. But make no mistake about it. What we give sacrificially, he really can multiply. Think for a moment. This woman had no idea that that Jesus was watching. And she had no idea that he was affirming her love for him and her gift if you use your imagination, and I sometimes like to, though that can get you in a little bit of trouble, is I wonder when Mark published his gospel, did she get to read the gospel and say, I recognize that story. I don't know. I'll tell you what I do know. For over 2,000 years, people have been reading her story. People have been preaching sermons. And it is not possible to calculate the amount of money God has raised to finance the spread of his kingdom from her godly example. Her offering has been multiplied a a significant number of times indeed. I remember my father-in-law, who was a minister for 40 years And before that, he was uh, a missionary in the interior of Brazil, I think in the 60s. And he tells the story of another missionary there who received a letter from a, a Sunday school teacher of three little girls. And the offering that was sent in this missionary letter was 28 cents. And she wrote to him and said... The reason this offering is so small is we challenged our girls to give out of their own money and not from their parents. Well, this missionary was a a, a sensitive man. He prayed and asked the Lord how he might best use this 28 cents. He was able to purchase a small uh, paper New Testament in Portuguese. And when he walked out, the first stranger he saw, he stopped, he pressed the New Testament into his hands, and he said, if you read this, it will show you the way God forgives us through Jesus. And he went on his way to other villages to preach. When he finally came home, his wife met him at the door and told the missionary, there's this man who's been camping on our property. He won't leave until he sees you. And sure enough, it was that man. And he said to the missionary, I have read your New Testament. I have believed on Christ for salvation. I'm his and he's mine. And he said, I want you to come to my village and preach the gospel. Previously, it had been a village. No missionary was invited in. It was closed off. But he was a man of influence and he goes into this village and he preaches the gospel. And numerous people are converted. And within a matter of a few months, there was a new Christian church there. And it cost three little girls 28 cents. God values your giving. God is able to use your giving. And if you are wealthy, don't give out of the abundance of your wealth. Give sacrificially. And if you are in poverty, give unto the Lord with a joyous heart. That's what the story is actually teaching. But you know, there is one more truth here. And it is this. Yes, the Macedonian church is a giving church. Yes, this poor widow is a giving church, both giving out of extreme poverty. But there was no person to ever live in more extreme poverty than Jesus Himself. The very one who is sitting there watching into the court in a few short days will be outside that very same city And He'll be on a cross. And listen to what is told here in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you through His poverty might become rich. It's so interesting. If you read... 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. All the verses, all the verses are about giving, uh, sacrificially and joyously giving. These, these, These are the New Testament passages on giving. And embedded in this text on giving is this verse of profound theology. You know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich rich in heavenly glory, rich as the high king of heaven receiving the worship of angels, rich in his greatness, he became poor. He he came into our world, a human who was put to rest his first night in a feeding trough. And the ultimate condescension, the ultimate humiliation, the ultimate expression of poverty is when He takes our sin upon Himself. And He goes to the cross to make us rich in grace, to make us rich in forgiveness. He who was rich yet for your sake became poor so that you through His poverty might become rich. And so when we think about giving, the one who gave sacrificially was Jesus. And the one who gave joyously was Jesus. Isn't there a verse that says, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross and despised its shame. And what was the joy set before Him? The getting of us for Himself through grace. So with that in mind, I would like to read three sentence applications that I've been weaving through the whole of this sermon. First, hearts that love to worship and praise you and hearts who will withhold nothing from you. That our generous and sacrificial and joyous giving Would be but a testimony that we have given ourselves to the Lord first that we might be generous. Not for the enriching of the church, but for the work of God. And make us wise stewards in how we use the Lord's people's money. Make us a generous people. Amen.